Hallelujah. Let's stand up together. And that offering is right there on my checkbook. Um, Greg, thank you. Praise the Lord. Well, are you glad to be in church? How many of you are glad when Wednesday night comes, you can go see people who really love you? (laughs) Come to the house of the Lord. I was talking with someone today, and I said, you know, uh, that time that you spend in the corporate anointing is different than the time you spend by yourself. And you may not even recognize it when you come to church, but uh, in this house, when we're all together, there's a different anointing. It's called the corporate anointing. All the people that are gathered here, uh, even those who don't know Jesus, will experience something when they're in this room because of that corporate anointing. So come with expectation every time you come, because you don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to say to you. Uh, Let's make our confession tonight, and uh, I believe that this is the truth about every one of you. Okay, so let's say it. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Amen. You can be seated. I just uh, wanted to give a good report, and I couldn't find it on my phone for some reason, but um, I saw where Victory in Tulsa this past weekend, uh, or Easter weekend, uh, they had 20-some thousand people attend their their meetings, which were a contemporary story of the cross, the crucifixion, uh, written by John Doherty, and all the music was written by them. Uh, they did it Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. They did it Saturday twice. They did it Sunday three times. They had 20,000 people in the house. They had 900 salvations, almost 900, 895 or something, and they had 40,000 people watch it. Or no, 20-some thousand watch it on, telev- on, uh, on the Internet. They had I don't know how many at their Easter egg thing all together through all those days, they had over 60,000 people touched with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody say, praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, that's, uh, you know, we can do so much here, but now that the internet is out there, the websites are out there, uh, there's not a day that people cannot be in the word of God, no matter where they are. Even if you don't have time to get your Bible out, you can turn on somebody speaking the Word of God. And tonight we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit because I have been feeling like um, in this church particularly that we all need to know where we come from, our roots. And our roots, my husband's and mine, are in uh, interdenominational, charismatic Christianity, which means that we believe in the whole gospel, not, you know, not just parts of the whole thing, and that we also believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the infilling, not just salvation, but what's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1 and 2, is for the body of Christ. We both experienced it as new believers, uh, and so we come out of that background uh, today, but it's not the background we started in. We started out in a denominational church. I did. Pastor Bill really didn't go anywhere. His first experience was first assembly. So uh, the first thing he saw was people raising their hands, and he didn't really hear people speaking in tongues, but they talked about it. And once he met me, he definitely heard speaking in tongues. And one night, 
he was just praying, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost, and he began to speak in tongues. Nobody touched him. Nobody was with him. So for him, it was a very real experience that nobody, you know, forced on him or tried to make happen because he really thought everybody at First Assembly was weird. But he liked the music, and he liked Pastor Charles Hackett's message. And so that's how he began. I began in the midst of a divorce situation, got saved on January 22nd, 1976. And the next day, the people saw what bad shape I was in. <laughs> that's what they said. Took me to the basement of a lady's house and prayed over me for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so it isn't something that I'm sharing with you tonight that... I read in a book, it's something that I experienced. And it turned my life from destruction to life. It was the Holy Spirit. I knew I was saved the day I got saved. But 24 hours when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I was aware something very different took place in my life. And in my hand, I received a book uh, that talked, well, really it was Catherine Kuhlman about Catherine Kuhlman, uh, Charles and Francis Hunter, their healing books. And everything just came alive. Now, I was in the Methodist church, so I never got the left foot of fellowship. I just left on my own because I was directing a choir at that time that was eight different churches in this community. Some were Foursquare people. Some were First Assembly. Some were United Methodist out in Dayton. Uh, some were the United Methodist Church I was in. Uh, just a variety of different people who joined into that choir. And we did the Alleluia by Bill and Glory Gaither. And we were rehearsing at the Methodist Church I was in. And I had gotten filled with the Holy Ghost, but I didn't want to tell anybody. Because when I told my family, they thought I had really uh, been snatched away into uh, a bad situation. But I was already in such a bad situation that I guess they just thought, well, well, you know, <laughs> it can't get worse. And so they didn't say I couldn't, you know, go with these people that were teaching me about the Holy Spirit. But, uh, you know, we didn't talk about it. So I didn't talk about it definitely at the Methodist Church. But in this group of people, there was a young lady in that choir, and she came up to me. And I'll never forget, I was in the corridor of the church. We were getting ready to go in to rehearse the Alleluia. And uh, I was directing it that night, and she came up to me, and she said, um, you have the Holy Spirit. I said, shh, don't tell, don't tell anybody. They don't know it here. She said, well, it's obvious when you direct the choir. You can see it. The Holy Spirit is a presence that is not us. It's a, it's a presence that wants to so consume our lives that the light of the glory of God is seen by those. Those who know the Holy Spirit will know you have the Holy Spirit. They will know because there's something about the baptism of the Holy Spirit that changes a person's life forever. Because it's not something you can explain. Just like receiving Christ, you really can't explain to people what changed. But praying in tongues, I think it's because God knew there was so much damage that could be done with the tongue that he decided to express himself by taking control of the tongue. And when everybody prays in tongues, then God has control of the greatest weapon that we have against the enemy. And it's our words. It's our mouth. It's our tongue. You know, life and death are in the power of the tongue. 
And so I think it's very interesting that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation that that is in your life, is your tongue by which you praise God, by which you hear from God, by which you begin to operate in the gifts of God, which then become a manifestation of the presence of God. And so as we go through this, um, I want to start tonight. I called it aftershock because that's just what I heard. Aftershock. You know, when Jesus, <clears throat> and part of it was from what I saw uh, when I watched that night uh, out in Tulsa, that play that they did of the story of the crucifixion. You know, Thomas was a doubting Thomas. But Jesus was alive. He was not dead. Everybody say, he is not dead. He is not dead. And the aftershock of his crucifixion was uh, amazing, first to the disciples, but even to the guards who were guarding that tomb. There was an aftershock of what has happened, what, what is next. And so, you know, what happens after the cross is just as exciting as what happened up to the cross. But oftentimes, once we celebrate Easter, it's over. Even in the church, you know, we're done talking about Easter. But I want to talk about what happened right after that happened. And if you turn to Matthew 27, and we're going to look at this um, tonight, we, won't, we will not get through all of this in one night. I mean, you can talk about the Holy Spirit for a long, long time. Uh, we're going to do four nights and talk about the Holy Spirit, pray for people who desire to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But everybody who's born again has the Holy Spirit abiding in them because it says in Romans chapter 8 that you cannot know you're born again unless the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you're born again. So the minute you receive Jesus Christ, the third person of the Trinity takes up residence in your heart. If Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. God is in heaven. Jesus is at the right hand. The Holy Spirit was given to the church. Everybody say, the Holy Spirit lives in me. That is Christ living in you. That is the power of the anointing of God living in you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts is to be a witness. Everybody say, be a witness. It has power involved with it. And I'm going to show you how all of the four Gospels talk about the Holy Ghost, all four of them. And so in Matthew, I want to start with this scripture because this scripture is one of the first ones that really God began to speak to me when I first got saved. And it's uh, Matthew 27. We're going to look at 51 through 54. <clears throat> Could you put that up there for me? Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked. Everybody say, the earth quaked. <laughs> there was like an, a shaking that took place at that time. And the rocks were split. And you can go on through the next. And the graves were opened. Many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And then it goes on and says, And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So that was really kind of the first sign of a resurrection. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying... Truly, this was the Son of God. It was a revelation that that shaking was a revelation that Jesus was the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. And uh, if you go on over into chapter 28, verse 2, 
uh, it talks more about it. It says, uh, and we're going to go through this a couple of times, and it may seem repetitive, but uh, I don't believe it hurts any of us to hear it more than once. At the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and then there was a great earthquake. Um, <clears throat> and the angel, This is another earthquake recorded. Now, as you read the Gospels, they're not all four going to say the same thing. Because there are four different people telling the same story. How many of you know that people who tell a story don't always tell it the same? There's many versions of the same story. Just certain things are highlighted by one person that are not highlighted by somebody else due to how that person is wired, actually. But it says, and there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his garments white as snow. The soldiers shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and indeed he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. Everybody say, see him. Listen, I have told you. The angel says, you are going to see the resurrected Christ. Amen? So he's alive. Everybody say he's alive. <laughs> now, an earthquake is a shaking or trembling of the earth that is a volcanic or tectonic in origin, upheaval or uproar. Everybody say uproar. This whole thing caused an uproar to the point, you know, that the soldiers at one point were told to lie uh, about Jesus you know, and somebody came and stole him out of the tomb. I mean, everybody was put in a position of trying to explain what happened, which they could not explain because they didn't understand what had happened. Although Jesus had told his disciples. Now, if you go over into um, Mark, we're going to go over to Mark. Uh, well, wait, I want to give you one more. Then Matthew, in Matthew, uh, in verse 28, let's go to um, the end of that chapter. And let's look at um, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went away to Galilee. And it says, oh, wait a minute, do I want to? Yeah, they went away to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came and said to them, came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's how Matthew describes the end of Jesus speaking to them. Now, if you go over to Mark in chapter 16, Mark 16, uh, this is Mark. And now Matthew uh, was one of the 12. Mark was not one of the 12. Uh, in my Bible, it said he hung out with Peter. And so some of what he reports is what he learned from hanging out with Peter. But this is what it says uh, in verse 6 of 16 and 7. He said to them, do not be afraid. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter. Why do you think that the angel of the Lord said, go and tell the disciples, and Peter, because Peter was the one who had denied him. 
I think that's really important because God wanted Peter to know you're still included in what I'm about to do. And we know that from the first chapter of Acts, but we'll go through that in a minute. Uh, then it says, see the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him as he told you. That, why am I saying all this? Because can you imagine what it must have been like for the disciples? Uh, they, they felt like everything was over. Uh, they felt like what their hope was had been destroyed. And, uh, and when I saw this play from Tulsa, uh, they really focused on Thomas and, you know, the disciples and how they were hiding out, fearful for their own lives of what could happen to them because they've seen what they did to Jesus now and they know that they were with Jesus. And so there's this uproar everywhere and it goes on in verse 12 of Mark 16. After that, he appeared in another form uh, to two of them as they walked and we're going to get in this story in a minute because I think it's just one of the best stories and they went and told it to the rest but they did not believe them either afterward he appeared to the 11 as they sat at supper and he reprimanded them for their unbelief and hardness of heart these are the 12 or the 11 now that are left that hung out with him and then it says because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Everybody say, I've seen him. See, the whole thing of the gospel is that you see Jesus for who he was and who he is and who he is in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it goes on and says, he said to them, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. Everybody say, that is not strange. Jesus cast out demons. And the Holy Spirit in you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can speak the name of Jesus and believe for the same results because the word of God says so. But he who does not believe will be condemned. These signs shall accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. That is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they will take up serpents. I'm not real fond of this part, but I think it just means you'll, you'll, you know, anything that the devil tries to do, you will take authority over. You know, I'm not saying you, you know, there are things that come out of the word of God. There was a church up around Fort Wayne where they handled snakes because the word of God says you will take up serpents. We do not handle snakes. In this church, we get a shovel and chop their head off. That's the first thing we do when we see a snake that might be approaching, okay? So we will not be handling snakes, but we do take authority over the devil. Amen? We do not give him a right to stop us in any way, shape, or form because he has no authority over us in the name of Jesus. We have authority over him. Okay, so it goes on and says, <clears throat> and they... And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. This is very important when you're out of the country. This is a good scripture for when I'm in Mexico and accidentally brush my teeth and drink the water, you know, accidentally. Uh, then you have to say this. No, no evil thing will hurt me. 
uh, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. After the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, sat at the right hand of God. Then he went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word through accompanying signs. In the Gospel of John, verse 20, we have another account of how John saw it. And, um, you know, I felt like I really am supposed to teach on this. So it's not just for all of you that are sitting here today. I believe that we'll use these CDs for people who question the, the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going into more detail than probably you would care to know. But again, it won't hurt you. Here we go. Uh, we're going to look at John 11, uh, 2011. Mary stood outside the tomb. As she wept, she stooped down. Now this is his version. And looked into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to the woman, why are you weeping? And she said, because they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they put him. When he had said that, when she'd said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but did not know that it was him. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will take him away. Jesus said, Mary, you know, when Jesus says your name, you know. He's talking to you. When he said her name, she knew who he was. She knew that voice. She knew who he was. And then it says, she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, stop holding on to me, for I have not ascended to my father, yet ascended to my father. But go to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had said these things on the evening of that first day of the week the doors being locked where the disciples were assembled assembled for fear of jesus of the jews jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them peace be with you when he had said this he showed them his hands and his side the disciples were then glad when they saw the lord and so jesus said to them again peace be with you as my father has sent me even so i send you when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of anyone, they are retained. Of course, it goes on and talks about Thomas. He, he really didn't believe any of it. He, he wasn't having any part of it. Jesus told him, You put, you know, here's the nail prints in my hand. Here's where the sword went through my side. And then, then of course, he said, Well, I believe. And this is what he said. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Everybody say, that's me. That's me. And um, I, I, love, I love to go through and, and look at how everybody tells the story. But my favorite is Luke. And the reason I end with Luke is this. Luke um, wrote the book of Acts. So in my commentary, it says, when you read the book of Luke, you should go right on into the book of Acts. In other words, don't stop with the last chapter of Luke. Go right into the book of Acts because he's the one that wrote the whole book. I love it that he was a physician because the hardest people to convince of the miraculous. I don't believe it's hard for them to believe it, but it's hard to, for them to say it. I believe there's a lot of physicians who believe in miracles. But it's very hard for them to declare something a miracle because medically they have to prove what happened. The, the medical people, 
you know, that's part of their calling is to help people be healed and to be whole. But a lot of it is research, 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 research. When Brother Roberts built the City of Faith, he built a center tower that would house all of the medical profession. He built on the left side of it a research center because research was key to physicians knowing what to do. On the right-hand side, he built the hospital, and he had prayer partners that nobody went in that hospital that did not have a prayer partner the minute they got there that prayed through them all through the time they were in that hospital. So the whole city of faith, which the devil fought so hard, was because it was a facility where medicine and prayer were combined. Why? Because medical revelation can come from the Holy Spirit and really nowhere else from God. He created everything in the earth. And so um, when we look at Luke, he was a, he was a doctor, and yet he's the one who documented the miracles of God. Now, in a minute, I'm going to show you a video, but um, I want us to turn to 24, uh, Luke 24. And we're going to look at verse uh, 28 first. And you, if you remember back in Matthew, it said, and two of them uh, were walking and encountered Jesus. Well, this is the encounter on the road to Emmaus. And it says uh, they, were, they were walking along, talking to each other, and um, they did not know it, but Jesus came alongside of them. And uh, when he walked up, um, let's start, um, let's, well, let's just start at the beginning. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And when they communed and reasoned together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what kind of communication are you sharing with each other while you are walking and are sad? One of them named Clopas answered him, are, are you the only foreigner in Jerusalem who does not know what happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, I love how Jesus sets people up. Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, powerful indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that he was, that it was he who was to redeem Israel. Moreover, today is the third day since these things happened, and even some women from among us who arrived early at the tomb surprised us when they did not find the body could find his body, and they returned saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Everybody say alive. Well, they go on, and in verse 30 it says, As he sat at supper with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened at the breaking of the bread, and, they were, and he vanished out of their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the way and while he opened the scriptures to us? They rose and returned to Jerusalem at once, and they found the eleven, those who were with them, assembled together, saying, the Lord is risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. You know, um, Jesus is alive. He was alive, and he came out of that tomb, and forever things were changed. Uh, the aftershock of that is, I believe, still going on. There's still people that are in shock. And this is shock. After effect of a distressing or traumatic event, 
I, I watched a movie called um, San Andreas Fault. I got a good look at an earthquake on an airplane with Sharon Doherty flying way up high, and she said, let's watch this one. Now, I am not, I don't like scary movies, and she started before I did, and so as we're flying through the air in the night, she grabs my arm real hard, and I've just started watching. Nothing's happened. And then it happened on my screen, and I grabbed her arm. It was earthquakes and aftershocks, and earthquakes and aftershocks, a tsunami. It had, we, we had everything. I got to where we were going at that point was Manila. And that night, they took us up on like the 21st floor of this hotel, glass from ceiling to floor. And they were talking about they've been training for earthquakes. I'm telling you, that movie it just about sent me, I mean, I was so tired. We hadn't rested a lot. And all I could think of was we're on the 21st floor. They gave us a whistle <laughs> that they use, that if you get under rubble, you blow the whistle, you know, and all this. <laughs> I was just thrilled the whole time. And this is like midnight. And then they separated us and sent me to one floor and her to another floor. And when I opened the drapes, my entire room, I was on a corner, all glass, looking over what could have been a beautiful view if I hadn't seen earthquake, shut the blinds, and ran in the bathroom. Hallelujah, because it was the inside wall with no walls, no, no glass. And I thought, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. But, you know, when things happen that shock you, really, I, I understand shock, because that movie shocked me. I mean, it was like every time something happened again, Every time there was an aftershock, it was like the whole thing was happening again. And so I can't imagine what these disciples felt through this whole thing. How do you explain that this guy that you've been following, that you believe, is the redeemer of, the, of Israel? And suddenly, he's on a cross, and the next thing you know, you got people telling you that he's running around everywhere. It says, for 40 days, he appeared many times to the people. Uh, he's real. Everybody say he's real. Now, why do I say all that? Because the same Jesus that we read about right here and the things he said are as real today as they were when they happened. But in the world today, there's not that expectation of the things of God unless you get in a very depressed area of the world where the only thing they have is the miracle working power of God. And, and, and you see it uh, when people go on mission trips. I've seen God do things on mission trips, you know, that you only hope to see in Lafayette, Indiana. What, what is the reason for that? I believe it's faith. It's, it's, it's an understanding of who God is. Now, the Bible says in John 16 that the Holy Spirit's job is to convict people of their need for God, that, that righteousness is not of our right doing, but of what Jesus did on Calvary. And that the Holy Spirit lets people know that the devil is defeated. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Everybody say the Holy Spirit's job. I'll read it to you. It's in um, John chapter 16, just before it says the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. It says, for I, if I do not go away, the counselor, which is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin. Everybody say, the Holy Spirit has the job of convicting the world of sin. 
The Holy Spirit is present in the world. And the power of God is the same as it was in the very beginning in Genesis. And then it can end the, of righteousness and judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I'm going to my father and you will see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler, everybody sees judgment, they think that judgment is of them. It says because the ruler of this world stands condemned. He has been judged. His, his authority and dominion have been stopped. Then it goes on and says, I have many things to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the spirit of truth, everybody say the Holy Spirit, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will tell you things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will receive from me and will declare to you all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take from what is mine and will declare it to you. That's the Holy Spirit that lives in every believer, and that's not about the baptism. That's not about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is, every believer has the ability to hear the voice of God. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, but I come to give life, and I give it more abundantly, and my sheep do hear my voice. Everybody say, every believer hears the voice of God. So why, why the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You know, there are people who believe you're not saved until you're water baptized. There's a scripture in there that I read that if you want to interpret that, you could probably say you're not saved till you're water baptized. Uh, there are people who believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but they say that was for just back in the book of Acts. It's not, it's not prevalent. We don't need that today. Well, I need it. And if you have it, you know you need it. Amen. The reason that the enemy wants people to believe they don't need it is because he has an opportunity to torment their life. When you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you pray in other tongues, the Bible says you pray in, your, in the perfect will of God. And it also says in Jude, you build yourself up in your most holy faith, which we'll talk about as we go further in this. But the Holy Spirit lives in every single believer when they receive Christ. In John chapter 14, it says, if you love me, and keep my commandments, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another counselor, that he may be with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. You know, you need to stop being upset with people who don't know Jesus, because they cannot know what you know. Can I say that again? Because I become frustrated. How many of you have ever become frustrated with somebody? Because, you know, why can't they get this? Because the world's, the Bible says that the blinders of the world have covered their eyes. They have no way to know until they receive Jesus. How many of you, Revelation started in a new, whole new way when you received Jesus Christ? I mean, listen, in the Methodist church, I went from, I mean, I, I was so excited. I excited everybody in front of me. Now, I didn't have to turn around yet, which was to the glory of God, because I never want to look at those people. But the people in the choir, they liked me. And they loved to worship. They didn't know it was called that. But something changed. I felt it in here. Lots of times when I would play the organ in the church, uh, it was like I wanted to keep going. But, you know, you only do the hymn and stop. Amen. That's it. You don't go further. And so, you know, I was kind of, I did that. But once I got born again, and, of course, 
I was filled with the Holy Ghost the next day. So, I mean, I was, a, I was just terrorized. I mean, terrorized the place because I could feel something on the inside of me that was different. And the word of God changed. And things that I said, like the Apostles' Creed, I started thinking, well, I don't know if I believe that. Where before I just said what everybody told me to say. What happened? The power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me began to cause me to know truth rather than just a lie. Now, I'm not saying the Apostles' Creed is a lie, but I am saying that anything you do because somebody else told you to do it, there's no faith in that because only, what is, only what's really faith is what you know when you operate on what you know. You can't operate on what I know and call it faith. Because it's the Holy Spirit inside of you that gives you that revelation to operate in it. So as, as, as we go through this, and we're going to talk more about it, I want you to turn to the book of Acts. And we're going to do a little bit there. But um, <clears throat> we're gonna, I want to show you this video first because um, I said to my husband Monday, I said, I have to go see Breakthrough. Because I know the Holy Spirit is doing something. Now... One thing I know about the Holy Spirit, you start talking about the Holy Spirit, he will show up. And he will begin to do things that people cannot explain. And um, it's an exciting place to be if you don't have to have an answer for everything. Now, I was kind of like that uh, before I got saved. I, you know, I had to have answers because I was very structured. I mean, we can't just go by the seat of our pants here. Well, with the Holy Ghost, you go with where the Holy Ghost is going and not always where you want to go. But what you know of the Word of God, the Holy Spirit can use. Once you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can use you to minister to people in a way you never ministered to them before. Now, I know people who, have, who are, don't pray in the Holy Ghost. They hear from God and they minister with the gifts of the Spirit. I'm not God. I don't understand it all. I just know that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that Jesus said, wait until you're endued with power on high. Luke talked about it in the last chapter of Luke 24, and then when you get over to Acts chapter 1. So let's look at Acts chapter 1, and then I'm going to show you these videos that I, I, um, I went in ahead and pulled today. Uh, they'll take a few minutes. So we're going to stop after we read this, and we're going to listen to these videos, and then we'll pick up again next week. But the people in this movie, um, you know, you don't often get a movie that they don't exaggerate a little bit for, um, to get people to come. But if you watch the movie and then you listen to the interviews of the young man and his mother, you realize that there's a whole lot more to this than what people recognize. But why was it released at Easter time? Why did God bring it up right now? Because I believe God's about to do something in the world with the Holy Spirit, just like it happened in the Catholic Church years ago. I remember Charles Hackett saying to me, well, I've been talking about this forever in this church, and nothing like that happened that goes on and happens at the Catholic Church up there in South Bend. Well, you know, God just shows up wherever he wants to. He was joking around about it, but he said, can you believe the Catholics got it? <laughs> and all these people I've been talking to, they haven't got it yet, but the Catholics got it. Well, God can show up and surprise everybody, but I believe he's about to do something, and that's why I felt to do this series on Wednesday nights. Uh, God wants people to understand 
his Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. He's not a ghost. He's not unreal. He's not just somebody throws around a name. The Holy Spirit is real. And the Holy Spirit has power. He has the ability to cause you to walk in that power if you know him. And so in the book of Acts, this is what it says. The former Triestes have I made, O Theopolis, concerning all that Jesus both began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up. I'm reading from a different version probably than what you'll see on the screen. After he had given commandments through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he presented himself alive. Everybody say alive. If you don't believe that Jesus is alive, then the rest of it you're not going to believe. Uh, after his passion by many infallible proofs, appearing to them for 40 days and speaking concerning the kingdom of God. Being assembled with them, he commanded them, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Luke talked about the promise of the Father, of which you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In Matthew, Matthew described it, uh, it's described as, uh, when John describes it, as he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Now, it, when we get into the book of Acts, chapter 2, you'll see that when the tongues appeared, they appeared as fire. And it said, and Jesus will baptize you with the water and the fire. Okay? And that's the Holy Ghost. Okay, from John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not in many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Um, we always want to know more than God wants to tell us, don't we? We want to have answers that we don't need. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you shall receive power. Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then he describes that Jesus is taken up. And then this is what it says. Uh, when he had spoken these things, while they looked, he was taken up. A cloud received him from their sight. While they looked intently toward heaven as he ascended, suddenly two men stood by them in white garments. They said, Men of Galilee, why stand looking toward heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you to heaven will come in like manner as you saw him go to heaven. Say he's coming again. He's coming again. Now, when I show you these videos, I can't show you all of it. Um, the first video is just the trailer for the movie. But the second one is um, the people in St. Louis, David Crank, is actually interviewing the real, the real kid and his mom. I can't give you the whole thing, but I want to tell you this before you see that one. She was in a small group and began to learn the word of God. And she tells about it in that video that she was uh, Beth Moore. How many of you know who Beth Moore is? She's, she teaches the word, 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 word. Um, she learned all the word over and over and over and over. You know, even with the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, if you do not know the word, you will not operate in the power of God. You have to know the word of God. People who do not know the word of God will say things that they say are the Holy Spirit, and they don't agree with the word. The Holy Spirit and the word always agree. And the power comes when you're speaking the word. See, it's the word. 
The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. The truth is the word. So everything the Holy Spirit tells you or says to you or says you can do is based upon the word of God. And so she was very clear about that, that she had continually put that word. So when this situation came, and just before she got the call, which you'll see on this, but you won't hear her talk about it. When she got the call, that a friend had given her a devotional. And it was talking about, what do you do in crisis? Who is your source in crisis? Who is the first person you call on in a crisis? Jesus, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who will help you right where you are. Is he the helper? Did Jesus say he was the helper? So when you get in a situation, it's in the name of Jesus, but the helper is the Holy Spirit. And this woman, right as soon as she closed that, the phone rang and they told her her son was dead. And Crank said, and that was just, a, just you know, something that happened, or was it the Spirit of God? Everybody say the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is so aware of where you are today, where I am today, but we have to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is aware of where we are. And how do we do that? By, by talking to the Holy Spirit, by making the Holy Spirit like a part of your life. When I lived by myself with three kids and God really began to work in my life, I didn't realize it was the Holy Spirit that was with me. But when I would play things about the Holy Spirit, there would be this difference. You know, I was singing about Jesus, but the Holy Spirit is the, where the presence of God is for you in the earth. We're going to see Jesus face to face. He ever intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father. But he said, I'm going to ask my Father, and he is going to give you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to be the one that you can call on in your time of need, and he will show you things to come. He will help you. He will counsel you. How many of you are glad you have a counselor on board? I'm telling you, uh, the world has got a counselor. It's not the right one because their eyes are blinded to this. But we have a counselor who does know the truth. And we don't have to go find somebody in a, a desperate situation. We have somebody already. Amen. So we're going to watch the trailer and then we're going to watch this interview. The whole thing will take about eight minutes. So we'll conclude with this. Okay, here we go. For a break? No, he's not. No, he's not. We got you. Hey, boys! Get off the ice! Not safe! You're not going anywhere. Stop! All the mail under sponsored impulses. You want clear? No pulse. There's nothing more we can do. This is the most powerful, compelling verifiable, authenticated, miracle story in recent history, period, bar none. Joyce Smith? Yes? We're doing everything we can for your son, but John isn't responding. There her son was without a pulse. She touched his feet, they were completely cold. And she said, you know what? I'm not gonna claim death, I'm about to claim life. He's gone. Send your Holy Spirit to save my son! She said 27 people were in that room when that happened. 
now you'll hear the rest of it when we go through this next video. Now, these when are I the grabbed his feet, they were so cold and so gray, and I thought, okay, I, this is desperate moment. This is, this is where the rubber's going to meet the road. And I'd heard all my life, the scripture said, Christ Jesus, or the Holy Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the grave. And I thought to myself at that very moment, either you're who you say you are, or you're not. And through my life... Throughout my life, I'd always known that God was there. I can't ever, ever, ever think of a time when he failed me. You know, it's not God's job to be faithful. It's his DNA to be faithful. Oh, it's who he is. Drop. Tweet that. Somebody. Somebody needs to tweet that and put at David Frank. I love it when Pastor Frank said that. Unbelievable, Joyce. I don't even know if I'm the right guy for Easter anymore. I'm thinking... <laughs> I'm really thinking. You know, can you think about how much people love Nicole? They love women preachers. She's got the goods, I'm telling you. So tell me that pressure. Now you release, you just release your faith. And then about how long till all of a sudden you hear that beep? Immediately. 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 I could preach there. <laughs> The charge nurse that day who had been standing there for 27 minutes with her finger on my son's pulse with nothing, everything they had done, nothing had worked. And all of a sudden, she gets a heartbeat, so you hear her screaming, I've got a beat, I've got a heartbeat, I've got a heartbeat. Each time she said it, it got more. She was so flabbergasted this had happened after all they had done. They had given him shock arrhythmia, they had given ep epinephrine, and all these things that should have worked didn't. Yet God, yeah. you know, this... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to take a program. <laughs> oh. Do you know, I look back on this, and God had set up in that room 27 professional people that knew their medicine. And after they had done all that they could do, God said, step back and watch what I'm going to do. Come on, come on. in any hurry. You know, <laughs> it reminds me, it reminds me of, uh, you know, just the way God does when, back to the one with the issue of blood, the guy runs up, says, my daughter's dead. She's dead. And he's like, hang on, we're in no hurry. <laughs> no, she's dead. Now he's like, I'm working on the one with the issue of blood. How many of y'all know people with issues? Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. I see Dave and Wendy there on the front row. Don't point at anybody. <laughs> Jesus, like, I'm in a hurry. Because he knew all it does is gives me more glory when they go, oh, he's only been dead for five minutes. He's, he's been dead for 30 minutes. He's been dead for an hour. I mean, you know, Lazarus had been dead in the tomb and was totally bound in the grave clothes. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And he shot up out of that grave. I've actually been in that tomb. I've been in Lazarus' tomb in Israel. And when you climb down in, it's like a spiral staircase going into this cave. So he came out of this cave this way, bound, and then it all of a sudden now has to get loose. And I really, really believe that that's to somebody right now that 
the more, the worse the marriage looks, the worse the money looks, the worse the ministry looks, the more glory God can get out of what the devil tried to get glory out of. So he's, he's doing exactly what he did with Lazarus. I get there. He's, you know, God's never late, but he's never early. Sometimes like, hurry, today would be a good day. So, so now you, you do this. Now he's resurrected. Now walk me through this thing. I remember one time you told me that they were feeling like a wind pushing them back. About six months after the accident, uh, Alex Glidden, who was the charge nurse that day, said, I have a story to tell you. She said, the morning you walked in that room, she said, something else walked in the room with you. She changed the atmosphere and it changed the temperature. And she said, when you called on the Holy Spirit to save your son, something so powerful moved up his body that it was pushing us away from his body. Yeah. And so one of the guys, one of the doc, like one of the guys, like 260 pound guy, and it was pushing him back. So they wanted to know what was that that was pushing us back. What did you tell them? It was the Holy Spirit. All my life I'd heard the Holy Spirit comes in like a mighty rushing wind. Yeah. So in Acts 2, it says the Holy Spirit came in. In Acts 2, write it down, Google it, check it out later. Acts 2 says like, it was like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. It was the type of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. Well, that same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, raised Lazarus from the dead, that same Holy Spirit walked in there and knew, at some point, I'm going to use this adopted boy. See, some of us were just like born into a family, and our family looked at us, and they had no choice. She got to pick this one. And then now the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, takes it from her, and God goes, no, 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 I'm going to put my pneuma... We get the word pneumonia from it. Our, my breath back into his lungs. And now the doctor's like, what is pushing me back? And she said, oh, it's an Acts 2. It's the spirit of a rushing mighty wind. And so, I mean, it's such an incredible story because now nobody listens to preachers. I mean, some people do, but not a lot of people do. But you're going to be able to go, and he is. Tomorrow this opens. I mean, I'm talking theaters everywhere in America. And they're going to hear this story. They're going to hear, Holy Spirit, give me back my son. Hallelujah. <laughs> if you haven't seen that movie, I encourage you to go see it. But if you listen uh, to, to more of this, you see even from him uh, how God, he didn't go on that ice. They were just kids playing. But he does remember going down into the water and not being able to get back out. Um, and so when he came to, he said he really didn't know where he was. And if you see the movie, you, you see how that is. Have any of you been to it? Yeah. It's just, it's just, I mean, you, you know if you're a believer that, that Jesus walked into that room through the Holy Spirit. And when she called on the Holy Spirit, that thing immediately started beeping. And the things that follow after that... Um, I believe God's about to do things that, like we've never seen before. He's going to use people we've never uh, believed would be doing that kind of thing because they maybe not been in the pulpit, but they've been in private with the Spirit of God. And so they know who he is. And so they know what they speak 
is what he speaks and what Jesus says through the Holy Spirit to any person has power to change that person's life. Amen? Let's stand. Father, I thank you for every person here tonight. Um, I encourage all of you to begin to, if you don't pray in the Holy Spirit, I want you to begin to do this. The Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for all believers. But, you know, I don't need to make that decision for you. You need to make that decision for yourself. And I'm not even going to ask tonight, you know, who prays in the Holy Spirit and who doesn't, although we will as we go, because, but I want you to pray, Lord, if this is for me, show me. If you ask God to show you truth, he will show you truth. I trust the Lord to do that. And we will pray with you. But you can receive it at home. You can receive it driving your car. My sister said to my husband and I, uh, I don't think I better get that. Because I don't think my husband will understand it. This is my younger sister, 16 years younger than me. And so one day she was driving in her car. Bill had said to her, one day you're just going to be driving your car and you're going to start praying in tongues. She said, oh, I don't think so. I know my husband wouldn't agree with that. And so one day driving from Indianapolis to Kokomo where she worked, she had her, phone, her radio going. She's worshiping the Lord and suddenly she's singing in the Holy Ghost to some song, doesn't even know how she got there. She didn't even know how it happened. But it happened. I believe what my husband said was the Lord. Letting her know, this is how I'm going to do it. So when it happened, she knew that it was the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is for everybody. In everybody who believes. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for anybody who says, Lord, I want that. I need that. And we'll talk more about why you need it. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for every person that's here tonight. If you're here tonight and you've never received Jesus, then there's no opportunity to receive anything beyond that because... He's the answer. He's the answer for everything. And so I just ask tonight, if you're here and you do not, have not ever uh, invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I want to pray with you tonight before you go. I, I believe most of you, you do. I know most of you. But if you're here and that isn't true, would you lift your hand? Because I want to pray with you tonight to open that door that Jesus opened, that door that swung open, the veil that was torn to let you in to everything that God has, and it comes through Jesus. Is there anybody here? Anybody at all? Okay, Father, I thank you for every person here. I thank you for the, for the Holy Spirit that lives in every one of us. I want everybody to say this. I hear the voice, I hear the voice of, the Lord. of the Lord. I hear it because Jesus said I would, and I believe that. Father, speak to me about the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I know that you give good gifts. The Bible says that every gift that comes down from the Father of lights, from you, God, is for me. It is a good gift, and I need it. So I thank you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my life. Give me my own revelation of the truth. Not what somebody tells me, but what you will tell me. So I will receive in faith, by faith, everything that you have for me. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for Jesus, that he died for me.
Because he loved me. Even before I was here in the earth, he made that decision so that I could have fellowship and be in your family. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that you give us and you gave me that I might hear truth and know things that I desperately need to know and to operate in the power that you have given me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go and be blessed. See you next week.